It's time for Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. All right, this is the wrap on 760 WJR. To a car phone we go. Dave, thanks for hanging on. You're on 760. Gentlemen, and Stephen Dan, you got the chemistry. It's cooking. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Are you calling us from your office? I'm doing Sports Center tonight with Are you uh, really? Dan Patrick. Well, yes. I'm very impressed. By the way, give Dan our best. He's a good man. And, I will. Uh, hey, uh, hey, Dan. Chuck Swirsky says hi. This is the best sports rap has ever been, in my opinion. Now, here's your host, Chris Renwick. Oh, we are one week away. Week one of the NFL season. One week from today. We'll be talking about the Lions and whether or not they lost or lost their first game of the season. <laughs> Look, I, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I I really don't have a lot of confidence in this team. And it's not that I don't have confidence in the coaching staff, because I do. I think this is a... This is probably one of the best staffs that I've seen in Detroit with this team. Is, is that hyperbole, Nick? I, I just... I think this is one of, at least the way they talk, the game that they talk, I think this is a competent, uh, cohesive group of coaches. Yeah, but you're saying that before the first game of the season. Fair enough. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah they, they look competent before ever touching the field. It's, it's true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But I just, I, I trust guys like Anthony Lynn. I like the addition of a Deuce Staley. I like the way that, that Dan Campbell acts and talks. And I, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like they understand it. I get, I think they get it. Now that doesn't mean that they're going to be able to run a clock properly. Or they're going to be able to manage in game, you know, adjustments properly. I, I feel pretty good about it. So and that's not where my issues going into 2021 lies. My issues are, with this team that they've fielded, with the with the with the guys that they've got on this fifty three man roster, I I look and I I want to kind of go down these games because I want to I want to get what you think too. I just I really struggle to find five wins. Like I I'm gonna if if the over well here okay here I'll tell you what what's the over under in your mind? I mean in, in a reasonable over under. Uh, the, it the ones I've been seeing have been about five and a half. Yeah. Okay. Five and a half. I'm taking the under. Well, let's go through it. All right. Uh, so week one, tomorrow, one week from today, September 12th. Fans haven't been at Ford Field in, I don't know, 30 years. Uh, you welcome in the 49ers of San Francisco. Lions are getting seven and a half at home. And the 49ers are going to be somebody who will be a contender in that division. And, and I'm look, I think this is an easy this is an easy mark here. This is an 0-1 start. Lions lose this one. Yeah, Lions lose. Um, but there's some question marks with San Francisco. Like, what's going on at quarterback? They drafted Trey Lance. They have Jimmy Garoppolo still. So, um, yeah, I mean, they probably lose. They've got a really good defense and a really good running game, but – uh, it's going to be. I think it'll be intriguing game for uh, another potentially rookie quarterback for the Lions to to debut against. Maybe we see a Kyle Shanahan uh, the situation where uh, they blow the Lions out so much in the first half 
that Trey Lance will come. This is like a college game here. They're going to blow him out and get the backup sometime. Uh, no, I don't think that's the case. But I, I think this is a, a, a pretty solid L in week one. Week two, they go to Green Bay, take on the Packers. Uh, a nice early season trip to Lambeau this year. Monday night uh, football at Lambeau. Monday night football. Uh, all of the issues surrounding Aaron Rodgers in the offseason have now been put to bed. And now, I, I again, I think this is a, a loss in the column here. The Lions start 0-2. Yeah, I agree. Uh, game number three versus Baltimore. They come home for that one. Again, I think that's an L, so 0-3 on the year. Uh, I think that'll be a close game. I, I, I might give, I give, I give him a shot at the, winning that one, but I'm going to say loss as well. I think Lamar Jackson is going to torch this defense. Uh, at week number four, you go to Chicago. A lot of these uh, 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 outdoor, cold weather, divisional games out early in the season this year on the schedule. So you go week four in Chicago. This could be a toss-up. I think they win one of these games versus Chicago. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and say this is a loss as they go to Soldier Field. So for me, they are 0 and 4 to start the the first quarter of the season. Yeah, I mean their next two games are at Chicago, at Minnesota. I think they get one of them. I'm going to say at Chicago is is one they get because I don't I don't see them starting 0 and 4. Okay, I think they lose the next game at Minnesota. Uh, again, a tough road game as uh, fans get back into the seats. Uh, so I think they start 0 and 5. You think that they're 1 and 4 at this point? I think this is the point in the schedule where they get their first win. Week six versus Cincinnati. I just don't know enough about Cincinnati to be to be confident enough that they can come into Detroit and 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 beat the Lions. I think the the chase situation is going to be very interesting to start the year. Whether or not he's uh, he's able to uh, battle through the 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 slump to start his career that he's going through. Um, so I think that this is where the Lions get their first win of the year. Yeah, I'm not too concerned about Jamar Chase. They have receivers. They didn't really need Jamar Chase, so that's why I thought it was a questionable pick at the time. I think the Lions, whoa, oh, geez. I think the Lions win, but uh, it's not going to be easy. Joe Burrow, uh, I, I think it's going to be a good quarterback. Yeah. Uh, week 7 at Los Angeles. It's the stafford Golf showdown. Uh, these two teams obviously making that blockbuster deal in the offseason. I think the Lions lose this one on the road. I agree, but we should try and pitch sports rap in Los Angeles this weekend just to uh, make a little trip out of it. That's not a bad idea. Uh, where, where can we do the show from? Can we? Uh, it doesn't is matter. There, is, there a, is there a place <laughs> in L.A. where we could find a spot? I'm sure, I'm sure there might be, yeah. <laughs> uh, week 8, they uh, host the Eagles of Philadelphia. Uh, again, Philly, I could be in weird spot with Philly. I could see them winning this game, but I'm going to say they lose again. So I, at this point, I've got them at one and seven on the year. I think they beat Philly. I don't think Philly's good at all. So uh, I think they get a win there. All right. Especially at home. Uh, week 10 at Pittsburgh on the road against the Steelers. Again, I just think with the addition of Najee Harris and, and the way that this, uh, this team is put together, it, it's, Pittsburgh is always going to be a tough out, especially uh, they're going to be in a in a tough AFC North as well. I think the Lions also lose this one for me. There, I think I've got them at one and eight on the year. Yeah, I think the Lions lose as well. I mean, you you could forget Najee Harris. That team's good enough on offense and defense to beat just about any team in the NFL. So. Uh, week week eleven at Cleveland, so they go back to back road games, stay in the NFC North and or excuse me, the AFC North. And at this point, again, I, I think that the they have so much firepower. I think Cleveland is 
is in a different place than they were five years ago. Um, this is not the same Cleveland team as it was then. So again, I think their run game, the receivers, uh, obviously Baker Mayfield, that defense is also pretty good. So I'm just going to go ahead and say Cleveland gets the win here. I would agree. Uh, week 12 versus Chicago. Uh, and then week 13, again, back-to-back Chicago-Minnesota weeks. Um, again, I, 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 I kind of tend to agree with you that first back-to-back stretch of Chicago-Minnesota um, I think they win one of those games. I think they win one of these games here. I would I would more lean towards them beating Chicago here uh, and then losing to Minnesota. Uh, but I, either way, I'm going to say that they win one of those games, put them at two wins on the year. Yeah, I would agree. I think they beat Chicago, probably lose to Minnesota. It's Thanksgiving. You, I mean, the Lions show out on Thanksgiving, right? That, that's the old cliche, <laughs> even though the stats don't back it up. But I, think they I beat can't Chicago have my pumpkin pie unless the Lions lose on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, all right, so week 14, you go to the uh, mile-high city of Denver, Colorado. You take on the Broncos. I think that's a, a, a an interesting situation. Um, it, it's it's going to be, you know, I think Denver's going to be pretty good, uh, but I think the Lions lose that one. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know who the Broncos quarterback's going to be by then. Right now it's Teddy Bridgewater, but he might be injured in week two, and uh, Drew Locke doesn't impress me much. Uh, I think they got a shot in Denver. So I'll give it to him. Okay, fair enough. Uh, week 15 against the Cardinals at home. This is one of these games where I just feel like if there is an upset, if there is a, a, a you know, the game where they're not supposed to win, um, I think this could be it. I don't know why. I just have a gut feeling about this game. Um, and, and I think after a, a couple of weeks of uh, potentially some some losses, I, I, I don't know. I just feel like that could be a game they win. So I, I'm going to just tally it in the win column. Yeah, I'm surprised they don't go to Arizona again. It seems like they, they've gone <laughs> right. there every year for the past six years. I think they lose to Arizona at home. I think it, they're really it's, good. It's, it's Lions home away. Yeah. I mean, they're always in Arizona. Uh, week 16 at Atlanta. I think that they could go back-to-back wins here. I think that this could be the time in the schedule. I just don't think Atlanta's very good. I don't think Matt Ryan is very good anymore. I don't think they have a run game. I, their defense is questionable. Kyle Pitts could be an interesting uh, uh, addition for the Falcons. And at this point in the season, he could be, you know, at this point in the year, he could be pretty seasoned. Um, I, I actually think the Lions beat Atlanta. Uh, I don't. I think they lose to Atlanta. Uh, week 17, you go to Seattle. I think that's a loss. Uh, and then I week 18, you host Green Bay at the uh, last game of the year. And I week think that's 18. What is that? I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I think they lose in Seattle. Green Bay, I think they might win just because Green Bay has got nothing to play for and they're resting everyone. And uh, But then again, the Lions should be uh, trying to get for uh, draft position. So maybe they're not trying to win either. So. I'm going to say All right, so how Green many Bay wins did you have? That's six if they beat Green Bay. Excellent. All right, I think I had four. So there you go. That's what we think this uh, uh, schedule allows for. Uh, so Nick's taking over on the five and a half. I'll take the under. All right, uh, more to come here on Sports Wrap coming up next. We're going to talk to our good buddy, Lomas Brown, uh, color analyst for the Detroit Lions Radio Network. We're going to get his thoughts on what he thinks of this team, the coaching staff, and where he thinks this team could finish in terms of wins and losses here in the 2021 season. All right, Chris Renwick, Nick Roddy, more sports wrap next right here on WJR. Now back to more sports wrap presented by FanDuel, 
Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. All right, welcome back. And look, I, I, I still have questions about this team going forward. I, I'm not entirely sure that I see a whole plethora of wins for this squad. Um, but but they are certainly in a rebuilding process. And, and it all kind of started when they had to whittle their way down to this 53-man roster. Lots of questions about that. So nobody better to help us break it all down than our good friend, Lomas Brown, the color commentator on the Detroit Lions Radio Network, joins us this evening. What's up, Lo? Hey, I'm great. How are you guys doing today? We're, we're, uh, what is it? LTD, living the dream. Is. I think is what living the dream. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I want to start, I want to start with what we saw with some, maybe some, some things that weren't really shocking when it came down to, to Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes, breaking down this thing and, and, and getting it to the 53 man roster. Um, there were a couple of guys that I think, uh, well, for sure, wasn't a surprise, but maybe based on what they paid him, Brashad Perryman was a guy who got $2 million in guaranteed money. We thought perhaps he would make the team, but he just didn't perform uh, in camp in the preseason, and so they cut him. And then in addition, on the defensive side of the ball, Jelani Tavai did not make this team for a third year. Uh, I'm just curious to know specifically on those two guys, but maybe outside of them too, what you thought about the Lions getting down to the 53. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, and we all know, man, when you get a new coaching staff, when you got a new regime that comes in, you know, it's really no loyalty to players that have been here, and they're really trying to find their players. They're trying to find guys that fit their scheme, that fit their system. And 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 really, I think another thing, when you talk specifically about Brashard Perriman, if you think about it, Chris, I mean, you go from four preseason games to three, so it puts more of an urgency on you having to show the coaches what you can do. It put more of an urgency on you being able to display, you know, everything that you have. And I, I think, unfortunately, with Brashard getting injured during camp, not uh, missing a lot of practice time, and then not being able to flash when he had his opportunities for in, in, in preseason, I think that hurt him. And you look at Jelani Tavai, I mean, again, a guy that was here under Matt Patricia and was really drafted for their scheme. Um, you bring in Aaron Glenn, a totally different defensive scheme, and Jelani just didn't fit. He just didn't fit. And, you know, when you again, when you're talking about new coaches, new staff, you have to make splash plays. You have to mm -hmm. jump off at that new coaching staff. And I don't think Jelani or uh, Brashad jumped off at the coaches and they made the decision to move on from those guys. So hopefully the guys that they'll be able to replace them with, these guys will be able to provide just what that coaching staff is looking for. Yeah, and you know, almost kind of, and I didn't really think of it this way until you said it, but then kind of on the other side of the coin, where you've got somebody like Amon Ross St. Brown or Derek Barnes, both of those guys who are going to fill in the, these positions, um, they did enough in those three preseason games, or they showed enough to, to where the, this coaching staff says, yep, we want him on this team. So while somebody like Rashad Perriman or Jelani Tavai doesn't have the time to show them what, what they've, what they can do for this team, you've got some other young guys waiting in the wings that did make the most of their opportunities in the preseason. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right, and 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 I commend those guys. I mean, anytime you get an opportunity, that's what you're supposed to do. Take full uh, full advantage of that opportunity. And you're right; those guys did that, and so they're here. Those other guys aren't here, and and what you hope is that it, it, it's they're gonna keep building on this. That Amon's Ross St. Brown and Derek Barnes and some of the other guys that they got, hopefully they'll be able to keep building upon some of the uh, plays um, that they were able to do during the preseason and become productive because we know at that wide receiver position, it's a wild card right now. We don't know who's going to step up, who's going to be our bail cow at the wide receiver position. And we just know on the defensive side of the ball at the linebacker position, I think out of the three, you know, out of D line and the secondary, I think the linebacker position might be probably one of our biggest question marks. So you just hope these guys are able to, like I say, to keep building upon what they do during camp. Hey, Lo, you mentioned the coaching staff a number of times already so far, and you look at some of the NFL resumes that these guys have playing Dan Campbell, Deuce Staley, Anthony Lynn, Mark Brunel. I mean, you can go on and on. Antoine Randall-L, Aaron Glenn. How, how much of an impact does that make? How much of an impact is that for the that players on the team? And do you think that'll translate Man, to Nick, game? It's huge. It's huge. It really is. Put it this way. It's so comforting as a player if you're having a bad series and doing the game, when you're able to come to the sideline and you're able to talk to a coach that sat in that chair, that's been in that situation, that played the position you played. It's so comforting to be able to talk to that coach and ask him, hey, What's going on? What am I doing wrong? What can I do right to make things better out there on the field? Because you know that these guys have been there and done that, and these guys are going to give you the best answer or going to be able to give you the best solution to that problem that you're having out there on the field. So to me, I mean, anytime you could go, on, you have a, a coach that played this game, that knows what you're going through, um, that can kind of anticipate what's going to happen next for you. I mean, as a player, it, it's just such a confident feeling. So, again, to me, like I've said before, this is the best coaching staff that since I've been here since 1985 that I think the Detroit Lions have had because of the mixture of these guys that have played in the league, now these guys are leading this next generation of players. Well, let me let me expand on that then a little bit, low because obviously Dan Campbell brings a, a totally, I mean, almost a 180 different mentality than, than uh, you know, somebody like Matt Patricia had here. I mean, it's a totally different vibe. I mean, even press conferences are different. The information that he gives to the media is different. And I'm not saying that he's given away all the secrets of the sauce, but he he's he's at least letting people in a little bit. He's at least letting people into the room enough to where they can say, you know, I'm pulling for this guy because he gets it. He understands. He understands the 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 pain and agony that Lions fans have gone through for 50, 60 years. He gets it. And so it it, it makes it. It, it makes, from a fan perspective, it makes you want to root for this guy. It makes you want to root for this staff because there's a lot of guys on here that, that really are likable and are really good coaches. So, so what is it specifically about this staff 
that makes it so appealing for the players uh, to want to go out there and really try to amp it up? Well, I mean, and that was a great observation, Chris. And I think the thing, like you said, he's doing it for the fans, but he's also doing it for the players, too. It's an open book for the players. The players know where they stand at. The players know what's going on uh, when they listen to uh, – and I'm quite sure what he says to the media, a lot of this he, has, he says to the players before he says it to the media. So, again, it's an open book uh, as a player – you know where you're at with this coaching staff. And I, I, I just think that's the biggest thing. You have so many coaching staffs that, like you say, want to talk in cold. They want to keep things close to the vest. They don't want to let on to what's going on. As a player, you want to know, too. You're almost like those fans. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. you listen to sports talk radio. You, you watch TV. You see the news. You read the papers. So, again, as a player, you want to know, too, just how the coaching staff feels about you, what direction that they want to go in, what direction they're thinking about going in. These are all things that not only the fans want to know, but you want to know the players sitting there in that locker room too. So, uh, again, it's, it's reassuring uh, that you know that you have a coach that's going to tell you straight up like it is instead of trying to sugarcoat things or hide things. And I think that's the comfort level that the players can take in that locker room. Hey, Lowell, a lot is riding on Penny Sewell, the Alliance first-round draft pick. Sat out last season at Oregon due to COVID. Uh, switching positions from left tackle to right tackle now. What did you see from him in the preseason, and, and how quickly do you think he can adapt to the NFL? Yeah, so, Nick, everybody's in an uproar right now. Oh, he needs to be at the left tackle position. They got him out of position, you know. And the thing to me is that, from me watching Panay, what it is is that it's fundamental things that he's working through. That what's getting him in trouble out there on the field right now is fundamental things. It's, it's his set. It's little fundamental things in his set that are getting him in trouble right now. And, and believe me, that's, that's to be expected. It, here's a young man that hadn't played last year. He opted out because of COVID. So you really, his first real action in over a year, he's going through it now. And it's little things. It's a learning curve to play offensive line. You don't get too many offensive linemen that come straight out of college that can start in the NFL because it is such a big learning curve with them. So right now what people are seeing are the pains of him going through that learning curve right now and working on his fundamentals. I'm happy he's at the right tackle position, and the reason why I say that is it's going to give him an opportunity to not have to face the opposite team's best pass rushers. He gets an opportunity to play the right side, get his foundation, get his footwork together, going up against, I'm not going to say going up against bad players, but going up against guys that their specialty isn't rushing the passer. You know, their specialty is stopping the run on that side of the ball. So to me, it gives him time to try to get his footwork together, get his foundation up on them, 
see the speed and feel the speed of the NFL because that's one of the biggest things, trust me, in 1985 that I had to adjust to was mm-hmm. the speed of the NFL. All Everybody can run in the NFL, and I think that's one of the things that you just have to go through these growing pains. You have to get accustomed to what you're going to see each and every Sunday, and you just get, keep building upon that. So, a lot of people are kind of alarmed by what's going on. Like I say, these are growing pains that a lot of linemen go through, and he's just going through some of these growing pains. Believe me, he's going to get better off what off this adversity that he's going through. He will get better from it, and he'll be the player that I think we expect him to be um, later on. But he's just got to go through these growing pains. So it's an unnecessary evil that you have to go through. Hey, Lo, I, I gotta, I want to, I want you to hold on with me because I got some other questions. We got, we got to take a break here real quick. I want to ask you some other questions based on this season. I don't see a whole lot of wins here. But I want to know what you think. Can you hang tight with me for just a second? Absolutely. All right. We're with Lomas Brown, color analyst for the Detroit Lions Radio Network. We'll get his thoughts on what he thinks this team is going to do this year. We'll talk about that next here on Sports Wrap. Chris Renwick, Nick Roddy, continuing on WJR. Now back to more Sports Wrap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. All right, joined by our guy Lomas Brown, color analyst for the Detroit Lions radio network. And, and Lo, look, here's the deal. It is, is I, this, this team is constructed in a way that they, they don't have a lot of depth in my mind, and, and they're, they're certainly lacking in a couple of really important position groups namely wide receiver. I think they got a lot of young, unproven guys, but this is not the the, the receiving staff of the last few years. And so um, I, I look at somebody like Jared Goff and wondering exactly who his playmakers are going to be. And so uh, in terms of scoring points, I don't know that this team is going to be able to score a lot of points. I don't know that they're going to be able to keep teams out of the end zone uh, at, a, at a very uh, effective clip. So I, when I look at this raw, when I look at this uh, schedule and I kind of look at, uh, the, the the teams that are on here, I, I really struggle to get to five wins. I mean, am I totally crazy? Am I off? Or is this team really just kind of in the beginning of a, of a rebuilding period here? Well, we're definitely in that rebuilding uh, phase right now, Chris. And you're right. I, I looked at the schedule, too, and I, I think the schedule maker was mad when he did the Detroit Lions <laughs> schedule. He was mad at the Lions because, my goodness, some of the games that they have to play and some of the role games and the, the teams that they'll be facing on the road, it's going to be a daunting test. And I, I, I agree with you. I don't see, I don't think we're going to see a lot of explosive plays out of this offense this year. I think what you're going to see is a lot of methodical uh, drives uh, that the Lions are going to have to go on. It's going to be a lot of dinking and dunking. Um, it's going to be the Lions – for them to keep the chains moving, they're going to have to keep themselves in good second and third down uh, situations, meaning they can't have penalties. They can't have a lot of negative plays. They're going to have to stay, you know, stay with the chains. They're going to have to stay in third and twos and, you know, typical plays like that so they can keep the, the, uh, the drives moving. 
The other thing that might be concerning to me is their ability to put the ball in the end zone when they have the opportunity. They're mm-hmm. not going to be able to kick field goals, I think, and stay in games. They're going to have to score when they have the opportunities. Anytime they're in the red zone, you know, a lot of people say, yeah, you just want to be able to put up points. I think for this 2021 team, it's going to be important if you get in the red zone, you need to put it in the end zone. I think for them to be successful this year, and, you know, again, I haven't seen a lot of that so far. Now, again, we haven't seen the starters in there a lot. We haven't seen their full ensemble of players or offensive players that they're supposed to uh, send out for the San Francisco game. So it's a lot yet to be determined. But from what I've seen so far, we're going to be more of a methodical team trying to keep the the, uh, first down chains moving. And like I say, you can't settle for three points. You're going to, when you get in the red zone, you're going to have to put it in the end zone. Well, something that could help them kind of get into the end zone is behind the backs of those big uglies up front low. Uh, they could have <laughs> one of the best offensive lines in the what NFL. What are you saying about Lomas Brown I, is my he question. He says that about himself, <laughs> that too. Kind of All right. <laughs> what do you think about the Lions? I mean, I asked about Sewell, but what do you think about the rest of the offensive line and, and what Hank uh, Fraley has done uh, with them this offseason? Do you think it could be really one of the best in the league, or are they still working at that? I think you could already think, Nick, that the left side of the line, and, and I include Frank Ragnow with that, I, I think that the left side of the line is solidified. I'm a little worried about the right side of the line because, you know, Big C, you know, he kind of struggled last year. I know part of it was injuries, but and the part of it was they moved him inside to the guard position. But, you know, I hadn't seen anything – that jumped out at me um, that Big V has made a big improvement over last year. Of course, you got the rookie, Panay Sewell, who we just talked about over on the right, uh, at right tackle. And again, we talked about some of the, the learning curve and the growing pains that he's going to have. So I think if that right side of the line can really hold up their own. I think we're going to be all right on the left side of the line. And, yes, I do think if they could bring it together, we should have a top five offensive line. With the talent that we have up front, with the way some of those guys have played over last year, I think that – and with the chemistry that they seem like that they've gotten, um, especially going through camp. I thought their chemistry came together pretty well. I was really shocked about how fast that chemistry came along with the offensive line. So, to me, it's a matter of those guys staying healthy throughout the season because the health of them throughout the season means that they'll be able to practice get in their practice time, and they'll be able to do things um, and really take that offensive line to the next level. So, yes, if the right side can catch up with the left side, I do think that they can probably be, by the time the season ends, probably be a top five, definitely should be a top ten offensive line, but I'm looking at them possibly being a top five offensive line by the end of the season or during the season. 
and, and Lo uh, Matthew Stafford had always been kind of the, the 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 steady presence in this organization over the last decade plus. I mean, he, he was always the constant. He was always somebody that you could you could count on to make good plays, solid plays, and was going to be somebody who you could rely on throughout the season because he's such a he's such a, a a tough guy that even he'll battle through back injuries, finger injuries, whatever it is. He's always going to be a guy that you can rely on. Now, Jared Goff is somebody who has taken his team to the Super Bowl, took LA to the Super, took the Rams to the Super Bowl. I mean, he's a guy that 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 they that was kind of their version of Matthew Stafford over there. He's a good quarterback, um, but he I think he's not he doesn't have quite the same characteristics as Matt Stafford. What are you expecting from him this year in terms of uh, his play? How well he's going to know this this offense? And, and is he really going to be able to make some of these young receivers better? Well, what I'm expecting for Jared is for Jared to have a chip on his shoulder. I, I mean, I really am. If you think about it, think about how it ended in L.A. form. Basically, Coach Sean McVay didn't want him anymore. And that's a bad feeling when, you know, a team or organization doesn't want you anymore, especially, like you said, after being the number one pick, after getting a, uh, a nice big contract, you know, and after leading the team to the Super Bowl, winning two divisional titles, and then all of a sudden they don't want you anymore. I, I To me, that should give them a chip on the shoulder. To me, coming to a new organization, coming to a team like the Detroit Lions, a team that, and you know, I'm going to be frank about things, throughout the league, you know, not viewed as a very good team or a very good organization. So, you know, you go from a, a place like L.A. and they kind of almost send you to purgatory when they send you to Detroit. And like I say, I'm just being frank about things. That's how my mind would be thinking if I'm Jerry Goff, well, damn it, what I want to do is prove to them that I'm worth the, I was worth the number one pick. I was worth sure. that money that was paid. I was worth the guy. I was the guy that led them a team to a Super Bowl that won yep. two won two divisional titles. That's how my mentality would be if mm-hmm. I was Jared Goff. I want to prove all the naysayers wrong. I want to prove yep. to the city of Detroit and prove to this fan base that, hey, I could come in and you're not going to miss Matthew Stafford. You know, I don't want to hear the Matthew Stafford talk when I get here. I want the talk to be all about me. So that would be my mentality if I'm Jerry Goff. That's the Jerry, only way you're going to be able to play this game miss, and play it I, successfully. I think you're exactly right, and I love that you don't sugarcoat it. Believe me. All right, I got about a minute left here. Give me your thoughts quickly on the defense, uh, and then I want to know uh, how many wins you think this team has in 2021. Wow. Well, the defense, that's going to be the key to me. That's the key, whether the defense is uh, how improved that this defense is going to be. Under Aaron Glenn, it seems like we're going to be a defense that's going to apply a lot of pressure. He seems mm-hmm. to want to blitz a lot, especially his secondary guys. He likes to bring them from different angles. So he already said that he wants to play on the other side of the line of scrimmage, meaning play, play on the offense's line of scrimmage. So I expect us to be a more aggressive defense than we were under Coach Patricia. And I hate to say it, Chris, but I'm probably only seeing maybe six wins. Um, okay. This year, hopefully seven, 
you know, that would be a bonus if we could get to that point. But we got a tough schedule. It's going to be a tough road ahead. Hopefully guys will be able to stay healthy, and these guys will be able to start building upon what they want to get done over these next couple of years. Lomas Brown, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, appreciate your time, my friend. Thank you so much. Have yourself a wonderful season in the booth, will you please? Absolutely. Always good talking to you guys. All right, there he is, Lomas Brown, the color analyst for the Detroit Lions Radio Network. He doesn't sugarcoat anything, Lomas Brown. All right, uh, more to come here on Sports Wrap coming up next. Chris Renwick, Nick Roddy here on WJR. Don't go anywhere. Now back to more Sports Wrap, presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. All right, welcome back. A couple final thoughts on the uh, NFL season before we get there next week. Um, Nick, there there are a couple of things that are at least intriguing on my radar, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Number one, um, I'm interested to know, and we we know the talent that guys like Jamar Chase have, have, have shown, and we obviously... Panay Sewell uh, here in Detroit, we know the types of players that they are, but both of them in, in this instance, along with many others have, uh, they opted out their senior year in college or, or the, or the, uh, the last season in college because of COVID-19 and then uh, made their way to the NFL, highly touted players, highly respected and highly, uh, you know, they're regarded as some of the best players in their position in last year's draft. I'm curious to know if you think that the, the problems, some of the issues, the, perhaps the slow starts that they've had uh, in camp preseason games will, will then translate uh, and move over into the regular season. Like, do they need to just kind of get their football feet back under? Them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't just go a full calendar year without, practicing or playing football and then being able to pick it right back up in the training in training camp in the preseason. I mean, pretty much anything you do in life, I think that is the mm-hmm. case. Uh, but they're going to be paid a lot of money. So there's a lot of expectations on these guys. Yeah. So it's, it's not going to be an excuse. Um, just like last year for Jeff Okuda, COVID was an excuse. Sure. It, it wasn't, Oh, he didn't have a training camp or anything like that. We need to take a, uh, let him off easy. No, they, they're going to have to improve and, and perform. If you're a top seven pick, uh, you got to perform, uh, plain and simple. Uh, another interesting thought, uh, Cam Newton cut uh, this past week by the Patriots. Really a shocking move. I mean, even if Mac Jones was going to be your starter, you can name him the starter. I, I just don't know why you wouldn't keep Cam Newton on staff, on roster. I mean, he's by all accounts – a tremendous teammate, uh, a guy who continues uh, to to be a leader in the locker room, even if he's not your starting quarterback, wouldn't you want to hold on to him, even if you trade him down the road uh, later on in the season? I mean, it, there he has to have some sort of value aside from just being cut, no? Uh, I, I don't know. I, mean, I, I agree. I, I think he's a good teammate, but if Mac Jones is your guy, what's the point in keeping a veteran like that around uh, when he wants to be a starter. So uh, I, I wasn't surprised by this, the decision. Yeah, all right, fair enough. And then my last question here to you. I know we got to wrap it up. Uh, do you think 
that this is the bounce back year for Jeff Okuda. I mean, from a Lions perspective, this is a big storyline in my mind. And I'm just curious to know what you think of uh, what can we expect from Jeff Okuda. I mean, a lot of Jeff Okuda's, it will be up to other guys. It will be up to the defensive line, the linebackers. It, 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 it's a cliche, but they all work together. So if they get pressure up front, it makes his life easier. If the linebackers tackle better, it makes his life easier. So I think he'll improve. I don't know how much of an improvement it will be from last year, though. Well, fair enough. I mean, I, I think at some point you gotta you gotta be able to make a play on the ball. I don't know that he's ever really had an issue with being able to play the ball, but at the same time, I understand that we need you need everybody to play in rhythm. But at the same time, I think Jeff Okuda's got to step up because this is a big year uh, for the rest of his NFL season. All right, that's gonna do it for us. We'll see you next week uh, here on Sports Rep on WJR.